the Baltimore Ravens defeat the Houston Texans by the final score of 25 to nine, but at what cost? It's a major one. We talk about everything that happened in the Ravens and Texans game, the team injuries and so much more coming up next year on this instant reaction postcast live edition of locked on Ravens. You are locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Ravens podcast, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here on this Sunday evening, making us your first listen each and every day. Free and available all podcasts and platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. It's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. The post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we are here. It is a live edition like we're doing every single game. This is the first regular season one of these. It's a live instant reaction episode. And it's really exciting to be able to engage with the chat and get everybody's emotions. And we talk about it all here. So we will talk about the Ravens win. It was 25 to nine. Didn't necessarily feel like a great win, but they get the win nonetheless. And of course it came at a very big cost as the Ravens have already lost JK Dobbins for this season. We're now getting updates trickling in on guys like Marcus Williams and Ronnie Stanley. So we'll talk about all of that here on today's show. And of course, we'll have the Monday live edition. Well, not live. The Monday edition will be recorded, but that'll come out around 6 a.m. Eastern time. But I appreciate everybody who is here with me already in the chat. Rico in here saying, what up, Kev? What's up, Rico? Hope you had a good Sunday watching football. Robbie C, I see you in here too. What up, KO? What's up, Robbie? I hope you also had a good day watching football. But we have a lot to dive into. Before we get into that, though, I do want to keep talking about the subtext that we have. It's another way to support me. It's more content for me on the show. If you sign up, you get exclusive content, one-on-one text conversation. Because sometimes on Twitter, I don't see the responses to me. It can get a little crowded in there. Subtext provides me an opportunity to engage with you guys more, which I really want to do. So if you want to subscribe to the subtext, it's in the description below. You can click on that link. I've had a really fun weekend engaging. We have a couple of subscribers already, and it's been really fun engaging with those guys and having a lot of conversations with them. And, you know, it's a it's a back and forth, one-on-one text conversation. I'll be putting mailbags on there too and a lot more exclusive content. So be sure to subscribe to the subtext. Again, it's another way to support me. I greatly appreciate everybody, whether you're in audio form, video form, tuning in tonight or whatever you tune in. To this show but let's first talk about the game I know the big points a lot of people talking about JK and Marcus Williams and all that and I see David Garcia in the chat too what's up David I'm glad you tuned into this but let's first talk about the Ravens in this actual game the Ravens started slow definitely started slow offensively defensively I wasn't super worried because we know historically the Ravens have been pretty good against rookie quarterbacks especially now one in CJ Stroud who was not only just a rookie it was his first NFL regular season game at, you know, it was an away game for Stroud. And I think the defense, you know, overall did their job. We'll talk about some of the weaknesses they had, but Lamar on the offensive side of the ball, 17 to 22 for 169 yards, no touchdowns, one interception for Lamar in this game. Also added six carries for 38 yards. 
for Lamar, it was it was an okay game. I thought he made a couple of really nice throws. That one to Odell, where Odell tracked it and it was over his head, just right into the bread basket. That was a great one. He also had a couple of weird ones. That one to it was either Odell or Rashad Bateman that drew a weird pass interference penalty. I don't really know what that was, but you know, it was it was about knocking the rust off for a lot of these guys. And look, the Ravens made the decision. It was their decision to not play guys in the preseason. So we can debate whether that was the right decision or not, but. For Baltimore, this was a tune-up game. And I'm not sure that's not me like disrespecting the Texans. The Texans put up more of a fight than I think a lot of people expected them to, right? I think a lot of people looked at this game and said, oh, well, it's the easiest game for the Ravens on their schedule or one of them. They should be Mark Andrews resting is fine. The Texans, I think, put up a, a decent fight. But at the end of the day, the stuff that kind of got me was the sloppiness, especially penalty-wise. The Ravens finished this game ridiculous 13 penalties for 106 yards. Now the Texans weren't necessarily squeaky clean either that they, they had nine for 88, but for a Ravens team that obviously has the expectations is expected to go far in regular season playoffs this year. You can't have that, but this is week one. So I'm not going to overreact too much one way or the other, where I'm not going to say, Oh, well the Ravens have so many unfixable problems and they, there's no way to solve these. And I'm also not going to say, Oh, well the Ravens are they're going to win the Super Bowl because of this, even though they had a couple of issues, either way you react. I think it's a little, it's, it's overreaction territory in week one for a lot of different people. Obviously we saw a lot of the AFC North team struggle today. Joe Burrow and the Bengals put up three points and Zay Flowers actually had more total yards than Joe Burrow in this game which is a little fun fact for people there. But for me, I think the things to take away from the Ravens offense that were positive first half, they really struggled. Second half. I think Todd Munkin came back with adjustments. And I think that's something we did not see under Greg Roman a lot for this team where usually it was, Oh, they're going to stick to a game script. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, there are minimal adjustments. I think we saw Todd Munkin go into halftime, address what happened and come out with adjustments, real time, halftime adjustments, which I don't think we've seen in Baltimore for a really long time. I was very encouraged by that. Zay flowers was electric. And if you tuned into my bull prediction episodes, whether over on bleacher report or here, you know, that my, the biggest bull prediction, the one I'm the most proud of and the one that I feel the most confident in is that Zay flowers is going to be the number one receiver on this team by the time the season is over. Flowers had nine receptions on 10 targets for 78 yards. Also had a couple of rushing touches, two for nine in that department. Now, some did feel a little forced. I don't think that Zay needs all the gadgety type of plays. I think Zay by himself is, you know, if you have him run routes, he's shifty enough. We saw him shift move guys, like making guys miss throughout this entire game. It's fine to give him some of those trick gadgety plays, but Zay Flowers is not a trick gadgety player where that's the only way you can utilize him. A couple of those reverses in the end of rounds, you, you don't need those with Zay Flowers. Sure, like I think if you want to run it, I think put Devin DuVernay on the field. We saw Devin DuVernay excel at those last season. I think it'd be a really nice kind of role for him to have. But for Zay, I don't think you have to kind of spam those like we saw Todd Munkin do today. Odo Beckham Jr., two for 37. He, again, had a couple of really key pass interference penalties in this game. Rashad Bateman had a couple of big catches in, in the receiving game. The Ravens actually only threw the ball 22 times compared to 32 rushing attempts. And I'm, I'm trying to save the rushing stuff for last year on the offensive side of the ball because obviously er, no one cares. Everybody just wants to talk about JK. So I get it. We're going to get to JK after this first segment recap. We're going to get to JK and the rest of the injuries for the rest of the show. But I mentioned Lamar's carries, Gus Edwards, eight for 32, J.K. Dobbins, eight for 22, Justice Hill, eight for nine, and Zay Flowers, two for nine. The Ravens averaged 3.4 yards per carry. Their running backs, 
it will, you know, you take out Lamar 6.3, you take out Zay Flowers 4.5, and you don't have a very good number. It's pretty under four yards per carry. I think it's right around 3.1, 3.2. I'm not, I'm not a great math guy, so don't, don't blame me for that. But Gus Edwards averaged four yards per carry. Justice Hill, eight for nine, but he had the two touchdowns. So he, he was the Ravens' big goal line guy in this game today. Defensively, Roquan Smith, 16 tackles. I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's a franchise record for week one. Ray Lewis had 14, I think, was his record in week one. So Roquan Smith breaks that record. Brandon Stevens had 12. He had a couple of plays where he could have made like a you know pass breakup interception but he just missed. So he was in the vicinity of a lot of tackles in this one. Patrick Queen had 11. He looked explosive. I thought Ronald Darby defensively had a really good game for the Ravens. The open field tackling was great. Ardarius Washington. I'm very happy for the Ravens that they ended up going with Ardarius Washington over Arthur Millette. I think he earned that job and he did really well. He had a hit stick sack. Marcus Williams had four tackles, including a really incredible pass breakup where he ran across the, pretty much the field to get to a ball and break it up. Almost had an interception there. David Ajabo, three tackles and a sack of forced fumble. David Ajabo has played three games, three career games for the Ravens. He has four tackles, two sacks, and two forced fumbles. So that's a pr pretty good career trajectory that uh, David Ajabo is on there. We also have guys like Anafi Owe, as I just met, BK played really well. Jadavian Clowney only had one tackle, but I think – the way he impacted the box score was not the way he actually impacted the game. I thought he had a lot more of an impact in the box score. We'll show you there. So I think that overall was a it was a sloppy game that the Ravens got their act together in. I will say they're very lucky they were playing the Texans in this game. I think that if the, if there was a more uh, I don't know how to I don't want to say NFL ready because I think that's disrespectful and I, I don't want to disrespect the Texans, but the Texans need a couple of more years to build. And it was the first game for D'Amico Ryan's rookie head coach, first game for for CJ Stroud, a rookie quarterback. So I think that if it was a team that you know had more experience, the Ravens could have been in some trouble here, but they get the win and that's fine. Robbie C saying penalties. Oh my gosh, yeah, I'll tell you. Kyle Kramer in here saying injuries suck. We'll get to that in the second segment, Kyle, but I definitely agree with you. Keeping it real, saying this team's making me fall out of love with the game of football injuries the past four or five years have been horrible. It's it's been pretty terrible. I understand just how how draining it's been as well. And then we'll, we'll get to all the injuries in the second part of the show. I see Jacob and Justin with comments in there as well. So I'll, I'll wrap up the game quickly because Justin also said the Ravens gave up too many third down conversions. I'll quickly pull up the rest of the team stats here. The Ravens allowed seven of 18 third down conversions for the Texans. So it's actually not terrible. It's not like a 20% conversion rate, but it's not over 50. And I generally judge by over 50 is is that's what it is for a defense. That's not great. So under 50 is fine. I think that's what right around 40 ish percent for the Ravens. So I'll take that for Baltimore. The Ravens ended up converting eight of 15, but the key here was fourth down. The Texans only went one for four on fourth down, including two huge plays in their own territory that they went for. And that was not successful. I think that had a huge dictation on the entire part of the game. Baltimore averaged 4.6 yards per play compared to the Texans 3.7. So look, was not a pretty game, was not necessarily an easy game at times, but the Ravens still go out there and they win it. And that's what matters. They're one and oh, so they could have won by one, one by 30. And the outcome would have been the same. It's a win in the win column for the Ravens. And that's what matters for them. Coming up, though, in the second part of the show, we will be talking about the injuries. We'll get into J.K. Dobbins, the updates there, Marcus Williams, Ronnie Stanley. There is a lot to talk about with those injuries. And I know that summer. Not so great updates. Others are a little better. So be sure to stay tuned for those. We'll be right back here on this live edition of Locked on Ravens. 
But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And there have been so many people, myself included, who have had really positive experiences with LinkedIn, you know, looking for jobs, hiring as well. It's all super easy to use. And it's really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job in the profile hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools you can use, like screening questions, but it's easy to focus on the candidates with those right skills and experience. So you include the prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And it's really important to start and end the year strong. And if you hire the right team member, that could really help you do that. Supply small business, right? LinkedIn Jobs, number one, is delivering quality hires, leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is to find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster but your job for free on linkedin.com slash lockdown nfl uh, thank.com slash lockdown nfl to push your job for free terms and conditions apply we're back our second segment of locked on ravens here sunday evening right after the ravens 25 to 9 win over the houston texans a postcast edition i'm still here with you kevin Ostriker. Talking Ravens, we we just did a review of the Ravens and Texans game, but I think that's on that's on the back burner for a lot of people. I think people are fine. The Ravens got the win. It was a sloppy game, but the attention is obviously now on all the injuries the Ravens suffered. Now we know that the Ravens had injury problems already. Marlon Humphrey goes down with the foot injury. He's out for an undisclosed amount of time, although he should be back at some point early-ish in the season. Mark Andrews misses this game with a quad injury, which I think was the right decision if the Ravens weren't 100% confident in him getting back. But the Ravens suffer four Got four injuries to major guys, not all of them necessarily major at this point. We don't know every single update at the time of this recording, but we do know one, and that's J.K. Dobbins for certain. Toward the Achilles, it was a play where he it looked like he got rolled up on. I'm going to have to find a video of the actual play because I'm interested to kind of see what the tackle was like. But my initial reaction when I actually saw the play was that he got rolled up on and it was like a twisted ankle. But I guess that with Dobbins and that injury – the Achilles must have just popped. He might have landed poorly or he just got twisted enough. And he had to, he limped off the field very slowly. Like it, it looked like he couldn't really walk, but he was powering through it. Then we see the clip of him getting helped off by the trainers. He was still walking, but very gingerly and had his arms up over both trainers. Ian Rappaport reports during the game. So it was a pretty quick diagnosis that JK had the Achilles. And I think it's it's pretty easy to gauge, you know, if the Achilles is still intact or not. So, you know, that, that update game pretty quickly. And then John Harbaugh after the game confirming for JK that it is a torn Achilles and and, and that'll be it for him. And I, I feel so bad, you know, like I know a lot of people are upset at injuries and, you know, are calling JK injury prone and, and you know, are upset at the fact that he's gone now. But I do want to just say that, this is a terrible thing for Dobbins. He, he's worked so hard to get back to where he is. He's such a competitor. He loves the game of football. And this feel it feels like deja vu all over again, talking about this from two years ago when he suffered the knee injury. This is a guy that probably is one of the most competitive players on the Ravens. We've seen that every single season. He's such a hard worker. And for this to be taken away from him again, it hurts my heart. It hurts a lot of other people's hearts. We, we saw Lamar Jackson, Patrick Queen, Justin Matabike, you know, JK's teammates get very emotional at the fact that he's now done for the season. And, you know, we, we'll talk about on field, what it means for the Ravens and, and where they go and obviously what it means for JK too. But I, I just want to take a couple of moments to, you know, say my prayers are out for him because this is a big turning point for him in his NFL career. Now, if you've been with me for a while on Locked on Ravens or an everyday listener, you've listened to me before, watched me before, you you know my stance on injury prone and, and when that label is justifiable to come out. I say not after two straight seasons of injuries, 
But after three, then that conversation can be had. After four, it's a definite. But the conversation is, can you determine that it's definite or not? Well, look, I think, and I hate, I hate, I hate that I have to say it, but I think J.K. Dobbins at this point is injury prone. I think it's fair to have the conversation. It's fair to say that he is. It's it's crazy because he didn't really get injured a ton at Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken. I actually have to fact check myself on that. I'm not entirely sure. But coming into the year, he played a full 17 game or 16 game, excuse me, rookie season where he dominated the NFL. But now you have him miss the entire 2021 season with the knee injury, was in and out of the lineup last season, came back, but then had to go out with the with the cleanup he had, then came back and just wasn't fully the same. And then now suffers this injury here. I can understand if you're not willing to call him injury prone yet because 2022 was just cleanup, but it, it's the rule that I have and I'm going to stick to it because I just think so many consecutive injuries and may, these aren't just like mini ankle sprains or like a, a bent finger or something. These are major injuries that sometimes end careers and JK has suffered you know, at least two, we don't really know the full, full extent. I think JK said it a couple of times, but there's multiple ligaments in the knee plus the Achilles. That's, that's really rough. That's really rough to come back from. And I just feel so bad for him. And I mean, in, in the comments here, David saying, I think he got stepped on it. I, I want to find the video, David, because I, I want to see how it worked. I'll say that, you know, for what it looked like to me, it's the leg got caught, whether it was he was stepped on or something. It looked like the leg got caught too. And then Justin has a comment here, and it's something that we can raise. He says, unfortunately, that was probably the last time you'll see JK in a Ravens jersey. It's so tough. I, I put the poll out on Twitter. I want the answer to be no, but we don't know what JK's contract is going to look like. And the thing that we talked about on this show with JK's hold in, or at least presumed, I think we all knew it was, is that. I understand him wanting to get the long-term stability, but if he had a fully healthy season, if he wanted to bet on himself and have and try to get that, the contract he would get would be so much more substantial. And, you know, I guess the hold-in was to make sure that he wasn't injured in camp or the preseason, and it, it, it just didn't work out, and I feel so bad for him. So for the Ravens now, their role with Gus Edwards, they'll roll with Justice Hill. Keaton Mitchell comes back, at least, you know, assuming he's healthy or getting healthy from that shoulder thing he has. He'll be back in week five. Obviously, Melvin Gordon is still on the practice squad, too, so you have him. There is the possibility of them maybe going out there and signing a Leonard Fournette, or I don't think they'd touch Kareem Hunt after his legal stuff. We know the Ravens and legal issues, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But J.K. was not the only player to suffer injuries. Jacob Olson asking, do you think Marcus's injury will have a big impact for our defense? I feel like we should still be okay without him. And then Justin saying, just saw an IG that Williams has full motion and not much pain, maybe not too serious. So, yeah, the Marcus Williams injury, Ian Rappaport reporting that Williams might have a torn pec. That's the fear. Now, torn pec injuries are interesting because it depends on the grade sprain. And as Justin said, the reports that he has full motion and there's not much pain. And Jordan Schultz reported that Williams feels like his injury isn't super serious. So, the, the pec injuries, it could if it's a mild sprain or a lesser sprain, could be anywhere from three to six, three to seven weeks. If it's a major one, it's more like eight to 10, eight to 12. So I'd expect Marcus Williams to probably miss a couple of games. If it's a minor one, if it's more of a mild to major one, I'd probably expect him to miss closer to a month or two months. Either way though, it's kind of crazy how this works. Like the injury gods have something out for the Ravens. It's just year after year after year. I mean, remember 2015 when that year was just brutal with injuries, Marcus 
Williams played, I believe the stat is four games in five years as a member of the Saints. This this time with the Ravens, two years from Marcus Williams, he's already suffered two major injuries. Had the injury last year where he missed, what, seven games, and then the injury this year, which could cost him a couple games to a month or two. So it is unreal the amount of injuries the Ravens have suffered over the past two seasons. But for Marcus, you know, back to you, Jacob, how will it impact the team or the defense? Well, the Ravens, they've missed a ball hawk on that defense for a while before Marcus Williams came in. You could say that the last ball hawk they had was Earl Thomas, and I I get it. I get, Earl Thomas was not good off the field, but on the field, he was very good for them. It, before that, obviously, it was Ed Reed. But they've missed that presence. Marcus Williams gives you that rangy, free safety that you can put him on an island deep. You can bring somebody else up, and you don't have to worry about a completion getting you know completed deep on you. Without Williams in there, you'd probably have to roll with Geno Stone in that role. Maybe you could play or Darius Washington. It'd probably be a couple of bodies, maybe Brandon Stevens or Daryl Worley. I don't know what they would do, but it would be a big loss because Geno Stone and Brandon Stevens, because Hamilton's starting. So Geno Stone and Brandon Stevens are your other two safeties, but then you also have that safety corner versatility, but Williams is your best safety. And at this point, he is your best secondary player that's healthy because Marlon's not there right now. So you would lose both of your best secondary players at both positions. Plus I think that's what $150 million between the two of those guys, at least, or maybe, maybe I'm wrong on the money, but it's a lot of money. Williams signed that $70 million contract. And then Marcus, or yeah, Williams signed 70 million. Then Marlon Humphrey has the $98 million contract. So there's a lot about what this team should do in the secondary. If Williams has to miss some time, but hopefully we do not get there at this point. And then the other two injuries that happened, Ronnie Stanley got rolled up on. Now I think that he got his leg out in time. He was seen, you know, laughing and joking up with his teammates after the injury and the reports early on, at least at the time of this recording is that the injury is not serious. We'll get more updates on that probably tomorrow, but for Stanley, it's now super serious. Now Tyler Linderbaum is one that's interesting because he got, he got mega rolled up on. Like it was bad, 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 bad. I think it was a knee injury. They classified it as, but apparently he was able to walk like he walked off on his own and was walking after the game. So hopefully it's nothing, maybe like a small sprain in that knee, or maybe he escaped with nothing. Obviously that's the best case scenario, but I don't really know what's next for them. Injury wise. Again, we know JK that's for sure. Marcus Williams, you know, the fear is a torn peck, but we'll see. And then for Ronnie and Tyra Linderbaum, not a ton of information out right now, but again, injury updates will probably come out over the course of tomorrow but we still got a lot to talk about on locked on ravens be sure to stay tuned coming up in our final part of this postcast edition we'll be talking about what's next for the ravens getting into more chat comments as well so be sure to stay tuned plenty to dive into on this live edition of locked on ravens but first this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and you get ready for the NFL season. It's underway now with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 and get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. And now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the spreads to player props and more. So for Baltimore on FanDuel, if you had that minus nine and a half, you're, you're, you're living good right now. I know the Ravens maybe made it a little crazy in the early part of the game, but it ended up working out. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We're back rounding out our final segment of this live edition postcast here, Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with you, breaking down the Ravens and Texans game 25-9. to We'll also talk about the injury updates. 
Before we get back into the content, I again want to plug the subtext. I'm, I'm trying to get as many people on it as we can because it's been really fun for me to engage with everybody. Again, it's exclusive one-on-one -on -one conversations, exclusive content. You can The link is in the description below, audio form, video form. You can check it out there. It's been really fun to engage with the people who've already subscribed and signed up to that. So if you want more Ravens updates, Ravens news, and it's a text that goes directly to your phone. So sometimes you might not be able to get on Twitter or you might not be able to get those updates. It comes from me and it goes directly to your phone and it's just, you know, it's it's texting. So it's really fun and it's been awesome. So be sure to subscribe to that. It's another way to support me, support the show. And I'm greatly appreciative for all the support that I've gotten here on this channel over the years. And again, Ravens win 25 to nine over the Texans. We'll get into, I'll catch up on the chat comments now. I know we got a lot of them coming in. I want, I want to talk about what people have said. So we have now Robbie saying, it didn't feel like we were taking shots down the field, maybe a couple yeah, I mean, I don't think Baltimore wanted to do a ton of that in this game. And it felt like both teams just were doing the short intermediate games. Odell had the big catcher shot. Bateman had a big one as well. But it wasn't necessarily like they were going like 50-yard bombs down the field. I think it was just rust. Like is, is the play calling book opens up for Todd Munkin, that will get better. But I wasn't expecting to see a ton of that early on there. Then we have the boy 933 saying, can we talk about the Ravens' inability to draft well over the past two years? Well, I think so to your point, the Ravens draft class this year outside of Zay Flowers does not look like they can contribute whatsoever. Maybe we'll get a couple of contributions from Tavius Robinson or maybe Sal has to play a game or two or Trenton Simpson can play some special teams. But Zay Flowers is going to probably give you, if you're the Ravens, 90 to 95 percent, if not more, of your rookie production this year. Now, 2022, I thought was I thought 2022 was fine. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's been good. Tyler Linderbaum's been good. David Ajabo showed potential. I, I get the later round picks have been more misses recently. At least, again, I don't, I don't want to call a guy in his second year his first year a miss. I think there's still time. But I understand, you know, Jalen Armour Davis wasn't active today. Pippa Williams has been out. There have been a couple of guys. Just, you know, Kyle Kelly didn't make the roster a couple of years ago. Ben Powers, Sean Wade, they, they've gotten rid of a lot of mid to late round picks. So I get that. But I think that people want to see more depth in the Ravens draft class. And I think, again, if it's Zay Flowers and nobody else, I think that's where some of the concerns from the boy 933 come here. Nate the Great coming in saying, did Saunders, did Steve Saunders put a curse on the team? I don't know, Nate. <laughs> Honestly, maybe. I think the ghost of Steve Saunders might be haunting this team right now. The injury gods have uh, not smiled down on Baltimore. I don't know what it is. We'll, we'll talk with Kadri Esmail hopefully for Friday show. And, and he is in the training business, the, you know, the rehab industry now and i want to get his insight on just what the heck's been going on with this team but i don't know what it is you know it's been crazy terrible injury luck for three straight years for the ravens and, and i don't know what the deal is there justin saying o-line gave up too much pressure i agree again i think it's learning for everybody it's week one but if that does not improve it, it might be a long season lamar can make something out of nothing but i want to see lamar in a clean pocket throwing the ball because that's what we've been working up to all season with them drafting Linderbaum last year, signing Kevin Zeitler. They, obviously, Stanley's been there for a long time. John Simpson got beat on a couple of plays. Ronnie Stanley also got pretty beat on a couple of plays. Morgan Moses had a penalty and, and looked like he had some, some issues. So I think that the Ravens offensive line just has to mesh a little more as a group. Hopefully they can, but if not... I don't know what you do there. It's very hard to sign or trade for a quality offensive lineman at this stage because everybody needs them. Every team needs offensive linemen. So that's why it's so brutal that if Linderbaum and Stanley have to miss some time, even if Stanley only has to miss a game, you know, you're still working with backups and it's very hard. You know, the, the further down you go on an offensive line depth chart, 
and it's every depth chart, right? But the offensive line, I think you see a lot more drop off than maybe some other positions there. Robbie C saying, what is Mitchell scheduled to return? Definitely going to be looking for him now. He's going to be ready after week four. So, I mean, he can officially come off after week four. I don't know how severe that injury is, though. Maybe Baltimore was planning to stash him, but they now are going to they have to get him back on the roster because of Dobbins. So maybe at the end of the day, Gordon will come up and then Mitchell will come up once he's ready to go. I'm, I'm not totally sure yet. Justin Holt saying, thank God Hamilton kept trucking. He got banged up and had me nervous. Yeah, that was that was early. Remember, I, I remember I, I was watching and I said, oh, Hamilton looked shaken up and, and had the injury. But I think that he's all good. At least he should have been. Mike John saying, I'm more upset about Marcus Williams. He's only like 27. He was easy. He's big signing and now he's being he's been injury prone. Yeah, that's the point I made earlier, Mike. I'm with you where Marcus Williams, four missed games in five years with the Saints. Now two major injuries in less than two years, essentially one year with the Ravens. So I don't know what it is, but it's hopefully the, the reports are getting more positive about Marcus Williams. So uh, I'm hoping that it might be just a couple of missed games for Marcus at this point. Dre Dog saying, why didn't we see Lamar under center more? I think the Ravens are just trying to figure things out. I, and especially as the Ravens went up tempo, they wanted to just kind of look through what they had. I think we'll see Lamar under center more and just do straight drop back, straight handoffs. But I, I, I agree. We didn't see him like as much as I would have thought Dre under center here. Uh, Dre also saying, why did we see the DBs playing seven to 10 yards off the ball when it was third and four? Dre, this has been an issue for me, man, for, for years. I, I have talked about this for years on end. I, I still don't get it. I still don't understand it, but that's been a Raven staple where off coverage on third and short plays or on plays where you don't need a ton, the Ravens will play their corners off. So I feel you on this one because I've been talking about it for a while and I don't know what the deal is. It was more Don Martin. No, I don't think we see it as much with Mike McDonald, but it was it was there on a couple of plays and I, I feel you on that. Uh, Iron Addict saying they were rolling on people's ankles all game. I didn't see that. If that was an observation, I didn't see that. So that's an interesting point there. I, I didn't end up seeing that, but maybe it is what happened. Tyler Shore saying, how long is how long until Moses is benched for a Filele? He was awful. Yeah, Moses had a couple of struggles, as I talked about earlier. I think the Ravens, it'd be it'd be interesting because the Ravens went with the veteran. In 2018, when Orlando Brown was a rookie, they went with the veteran option for a while as James Hurst, and then Hurst ended up losing his job to Orlando Brown. I don't know how much Moses would have to struggle. Now, Moses is not on a huge contract. He's on the Mark Ingram special, which I call that I call that because it's three years, 15 million. So five dollars per year. It'd have to probably be after the bye week. I think the bye week would be a change, a change. That's that's like an area where you make that. So I'm not sure when it would be, Tyler, but if I had to guess, it would probably be after their bye week or pretty close to it at that point. Justin in here. What's up, Justin? Saying, is Ronnie Stanley good to go is my biggest worry. The reports have been positive so far. We don't know an official word yet, at least not. I'll refresh Twitter quickly, but I don't think there's anything crazy that happened with Ronnie Stanley. The, the reports are that it was it was probably like a smaller injury, not as serious, but we'll, we'll get those updates tomorrow. Tyler saying Stanley and Moses getting worked by a rookie all day. Moses need to be benched. Yeah. I don't, obviously they're not going to bench Stanley, but Moses, again, I, I'd anticipate that after the, the bye week John saying got to tighten up on the penalties. Yeah. Penalties were not great today. I'll, I'll tell you that much. It was, uh, those, those have to get cleaned up because some certain things like, it's, oh, it's just sloppiness. It's early week one. It's fine. They can get it together. But it if it doesn't get together, 
it's going to be a problem for them because there were multiple times where either the Ravens did not do themselves any favors or the Texans didn't do themselves any favors. And I think it changed the flow of the game and it helped the Ravens out. It certainly helped the Texans too. Don't get me wrong, but there are going to be those plays. And I think that as the season goes on, like, do I expect the Ravens to average 13 penalties a game? No, that's, that's a lot, but I still think that they have to figure that out. So I agree with you there, John. Justin saying, sad to see Marcus Peters in a Raiders jersey. But you know what, Justin? Jadavian Clowney's in that Marcus Peters number 24. I wish so badly he would change his number, but <laughs> I guess it's not happening. What's up, Caitlin saying, free the fish. We got the fish in the background over there. They're, they're, they're swimming around. They're, we, got, we had the fish drama with the tank. The, I came in here on Wednesday and half the tank had drained out, so I had to get a new tank. So we got a Edgar Allen and Poe swimming around in there. Lamar Gary Jackson is also in there thriving. So on YouTube, we got the live fish. I think it's a cool little twist on there. Also, uh, Robbie's saying EDC is going to need to work on some magic on the DB room before the deadline. That's the thing, Justin. I agree, or Robbie, actually, Justin said, <laughs> laughing emoji to, to Caitlin. But Robbie, with your point, I think that it's interesting because what I said about the offensive line, where it's so hard because every team needs offensive linemen, every team needs corners. And that's why I think it's going to be a little tougher for the Ravens to trade for a corner at the deadline. I think they will do it, but they might have to give up a little bit more. Like, is Jair Alexander going to come to Baltimore? Probably not. Like, I'd love it, but probably not. I think, you know, Rasul Douglas would be a more realistic option there. So I'm not necessarily sure what that would look like, but I think that the Ravens will have to make a move at the deadline because either injuries are going to decimate them again or the, the, the corner room needs help even without. If everybody was healthy, the corner room will still need help. Justin saying Clowney was balling out today. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Again, he's not going to be this box score guru where he's putting up 10 tackles and two sacks a game. He only had one tackle today, but he was playing really well, and I was very encouraged by what I saw from him, especially in the run game, and he was being physical as well. Uh, we have John Parsons saying, if only we could have signed Slay. This close. He says, yep, this close. So I think Slay had the pick six earlier, so it's unfortunate, but I don't think the Ravens get Odell if they – they signed Slay, which, you know, could could be good, could be bad. I, th I think Slay would have been a great addition, though, to time to check uh, the price on Taylor because Gus has no juice. I thought Gus was fine. I thought he was okay. You know, had a couple of big runs. But I'm, I, I think for me, Tyler, I want to see a little bit of Gus first. And plus, the asking price that the Colts were asking for Taylor, I'm sure they'd say we, we want a first and Zay Flowers, to which I would say – yeah, no, and hang up that phone. So the Ravens might have to be rocking with Gus for a while. Maybe they trade for a lesser type running back, someone who, you know, is, is behind a lot of people in a certain situation. Uh, yeah, Robbie saying Clowney looked good. Justin saying, why are we throwing sideways on third and long? Yeah, I, I could go without that. I think that was a Greg Roman vault play. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, uh, Excalibur saying we need to go back to Smash Mouth and, and Rocky. Talk about Rocky Asin here. Brandon Stevens started this game alongside Ronald Darby. You know, Rocky Asin, I don't think, played much, if at all. So that was very interesting as well, which I didn't necessarily think was going to happen there. Yeah, a bunch of Moses, you know, get Moses out of there. Justin saying Mitchell's going to account for some of that now that JK's out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Justin Holt saying Vokalek is better than Kolar. Kolar had a rough day. Kolar definitely had a rough day. Hopefully he's able to get things out of there. Uh, Excalibur saying only been a week, but Greg Roman has ha had more plays in his vault. Shouldn't force feed Zay. I agree with you, Excalibur, that he should not have force fed Zay as much as he should have. He should have let the game come to him more naturally. I think that at the end of the season, Todd Munkin will have more plays than Greg Roman in the vault, but he has to figure out how to more naturally scheme Zay Flowers up instead of force feeding him the ball because I think the Texans called on to it and I think it made the Ravens' offense more stagnant as a whole. 
Nate saying this is starting to feel like 2021 again. That's disappointing. Well, it's not as bad now as it was in 2021 early on. But, you know, if the injuries keep piling up like this, I, I would be severely, severely disappointed. Justin's saying, I think the starter should play at least one series in the preseason. That's a really big question and a really big talking point. I'm glad you brought it up, Justin, because I, I think, interestingly enough, I, I don't know. You know, Baltimore has – I think they're so scarred by what happened with J.K. in 2021 that they just don't want to risk it. And because we saw the Ravens play guys for a quarter, a half, before the preseason went to three – I would have liked to see maybe a series or two. Obviously, the Ravens did that in the 2021 game, and what happened, J.K. tore the knee up. But I think it, it's better to have guys with a couple of reps as opposed to not having them with any reps. And then, look, the Ravens didn't – like, J.K. didn't play all preseason, didn't practice, and look what happened. He still got injured. Injuries happen. It's just a part of the game. And while, yes, playing less means there's less of a shot for injury, I just – I feel like for the Ravens, a couple of series wouldn't hurt. At that point, and then Molly's saying Rocky Yassin did good. I haven't I haven't had a chance to watch the tape yet, so I'll go I'll go back and look at the highlights in the tape and look at Rocky Yassin. I know we got got some mixed opinions on Rocky Yassin there. Then Justin saying got to get Gus on the field when we're in the red zone. Justice Hill's a sneaky good red zone guy, but Gus Edwards, you know, five yards per carry career average. He's somebody you want on the field in the red zone for sure. But I appreciate everybody coming around here for this live edition of Locked On Ravens. Again, be sure to subscribe on YouTube and follow along on all your phone. Also subscribe to the subtext for more exclusive Ravens content, updates, news, text conversations, mailbags, and a lot more. The link to that is in the description below. So be sure to click on that, subscribe over on subtext. We'll be back here for our Monday show. Obviously, we'll be talking more about the JK injury, what comes next for the Ravens, and a lot more. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on our Monday edition of Locked On Ravens.